Hello, my name is Paul Johnson, Senior Partner of Pannoni Corporate. I'm joined today by Andrew West, partner in our commercial team, who's going to shed some light on the legal issues surrounding artificial intelligence. Thank you, Paul. Yes. So in the week that our government is hosting a global summit on AI and safety in AI, I'm going to be talking about the legal issues that arise from its use and what the government's proposing to do to regulate it. So you don't need me to tell you about the headlines concerning AI. There are lots of them, good and bad. The bad ones seem to be around deep faking to sell dodgy products or to influence elections. But there are plenty of good ones around at the moment about groundbreaking um, AI discovery of cures for diseases, for example. So there are sort of lots of advantages, lots of challenges, threats to the fundamental Mm. rights and freedoms of individuals. And there are more existential threats and challenges. What's going to happen to AI? Is it going to end up taking all of our jobs? Is it going to end up being more intelligent than us so that we can't control it? And the role of the government is to strike a balance Mm. between encouraging investment in AI on the one on the one part uh, and protecting those interests and challenges on the other one on the other part so this year the government has published a white paper setting out what it proposes to do and it's um, perhaps surprising given that the government has a massive uh, vested interest in AI and is the third largest private investor in AI after only China and the US, it's perhaps surprising that it doesn't propose to introduce any new legislation regulating AI. Instead, it's leaving it to the sectoral uh, regulators to regulate their own bits. That's interesting. So how does the UK's approach uh, compare with other countries? That's an interesting question because in the EU, there's a marked contrast. There is an act called the Artificial Intelligence Act, which is likely to come into force over the next few months, which tightly regulates AI. Uh, And that act will take a a multi-tiered approach. So it will prohibit certain AI altogether, such as the use of biometric AI in in public places. And interestingly, social scoring will be prohibited altogether in contrast to the position in the UK. So if you're a business with markets beyond the UK in Europe, then it's very important that you are aware of this legislation that's coming down the track. Now, it's likely that there will be a grace period of at least 18 months. So there will be time for businesses to adjust to it but it's something to be very aware of i think it's not for me to make a political comment but the there's a certain irony in the fact that the government has just hosted a global summit about safety in ai whilst at the same time it's sitting on a white paper which proposes not to directly regulate ai but if, if the government have to strike a balance between stakeholders, who, who are the people affected? So the stakeholders in a, a typical AI project, you've got the tech providers, so the developers who create the algorithms uh, and the providers of the tech structure around that. Hmm. You've then got the 
industry body that has the insight into the problem that needs to be resolved by AI. You've then got the content providers who may sit within the industry body and they will provide the volume data that is needed in a lot of AI to test the AI. And I should say there's a, there's a tension developing as you might expect between the content providers and the, and the developers of AI. And then you've got various players down to the deployers and users of AI. They might use it in their services. And then you have the end users who may be data subjects if AI is used for data, for, for the processing of personal data. And then you've got a whole bunch of more indirect stakeholders such as employees at large, yes. given the, the challenges yes. of AI. Um, and 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 consumers and society as a whole. So you've got a lot of lot of stakeholders. What are the legal issues that effectively um, surround AI? What is it about AI that gives rise to all these legal potential legal problems? Well, I mean, most people have an idea of what AI is. You know, it's a machine that, as the name implies, thinks for itself. But I think the one characteristic of AI that gives rise to these issues that's normally present in AI is it doesn't AI doesn't follow pre-programmed instructions. Instead, it trains itself, or rather it learns itself based on, often based on high volumes of data. And because of that, there's an opaqueness to AI. It's like black box. Um, and that can lead to unpredictable results. It can, it can lead to bias as a result of that. When AI is being trained on these vast volumes of data, then any bias that's in the data, in the test data, is imported into AI. So you've got potential problems and breaches of GDPR, you've got potential problems and breaches of equality legislation, the Equality Act. Now, I mean, if you want to get your head around an example of AI which demonstrates this characteristic. Think of the language translation apps, Google Translate, which are very useful if you want to read a menu. Now, for years, the computer scientists have been trying to come up with these apps without success. And then AI came along and they realized they could throw a load of data at an AI algorithm that breaks down the vocabulary into short phrases. And then based on it's interrogation of millions of very good translations from the EU, official translations. It works out the most likely translation. It's not, a, it's not a direct correlation between the input and the output. And it works pretty well. And, and that example illustrates the importance of high volume of data, which the cloud and data centers and social media provide. And that's facilitated AI. And also the importance of the quality of that data. Um, but the fact that the AI thinks for itself leads to other problems. So, for example, contracting models. Um, the traditional contracting mod model uh, where you would contract if you're developing AI against a, um, a functional technical spec, because of the opaqueness of AI, that doesn't necessarily work with AI. And, and the other big issue, which I'm going to come on to, is intellectual property. Um, there are issues around whether or not IP exists in, in a lot of AI and um, the issue of ownership. 
Thanks, Andrew. That's really interesting. There must be um, lots of questions and challenges around machine learning and who owns what in relation to something produced by, by a machine. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I think it's fair to say that that AI, or more accurately, the government has got some serious IP issues to resolve. So if we take an example uh, of chat GPT, which most people will be familiar with, if I put in a prompt that says, please write me a novel about all of the legal senior partners in the UK meeting on a train to London uh, and discussing their careers and write it me in the style of Nick Hornby, press a button, I've got a short mm. novel and it may be good and it may be rubbish, probably likely to be rubbish. But the question arises, um, where does OpenAI, who, who owns chat GPT, where do they get that content from data sets in order to generate that novel because I think it's fairly clear that OpenAI will need a license from the copyright owners to to accomplish that task. The fair dealing provisions in the UK are very narrow and only cover for example non-commercial research. There was a proposal by the government or rather by the the IPO a couple of years ago to broaden those exceptions, mm. but those were to cover this kind, kind of data and text mining, but those proposals were shelved by the government last year. Now, if OpenAI doesn't have the appropriate license licenses, it obviously creates a big problem for them because they'll be infringing, but it could create a problem for the user. Mm. Um, in, in my example, me, if I'm going to commercialize that novel. So, um, I don't want my provider to go, you know, to have problems equally. My work, if I'm going to commercialize it, the work, if it reproduces a substantial part of the original works, may infringe. So clearly, if you're a business using AI, you need to be aware of this and you need to seek assurances from the providers about where the materials have come from. Um, and ideally get warranties and even indemnities from the provider against third-party infringement. And so who will end up owning the, um, the, the copyright in computer-generated work? Well, uh, that's, a, that's a six, another $6 million question. I mean, there is first the question of will copyright subsist in the work, in the novel that, yes. that I've created? Um, and the UK law says that for copyright to exist in the work, it needs to be original. And that normally means that a person has expended some skill and labor in creating it. Now, there's an argument that because it's been produced by a machine, that originality threshold hasn't been passed, um, hasn't been reached. But at the same time, the UK Copyright Act recognizes that copyright can exist in a computer-generated work. So I think it's likely, but not conclusive, that copyright will exist in my novel, provided it hasn't been copied, and it is, and it is actually through the endeavors of the AI, is, is new, Yes, um, it, it will subsist. So then we get to the question of ownership. Now, under UK law, the owner of the copyright is, of a computer-generated work is the, 
the personal organization that made the arrangements that were necessary for the work to be generated. So in my example, who would that be? It's not clear because is it the personal organization who wrote the, the software? Is it the, the person who tested or organization, organization that tested the the algorithm and put in the test data? Yes. yes. Or is it the clever person who put in the imaginative and original prompt? Um, it's not clear. And I think that that issue will be resolved in the next few years, either by the courts or by by legislation but it, it certainly needs to be resolved so what's the what's the sort of takeaway for a business mm. using ai then they need to get these assurances but they need to be they need to get it from the right person can you get it from chat gpt the thing i should mention is interestingly although i haven't checked this um but i understand from what i've read that open ai state in their terms that that the user, the person putting in the prompt, in my example, me, yes. will own the copyright and the deliverable, i.e. the novel. Question is, have OpenAI, have, have they got it within their gift to actually say that I own the, the copyright? I'm not sure they have. Mm. So it's an issue that, it's, it's a space that needs to be watched yes. for the future. And just because they say they have, doesn't mean that you have. Absolutely, no. absolutely not. Andrew? I know we're not here to talk about data protection generally, um, but in terms of GDPR, which everyone's heard about over the last few years, how does that deal with AI? Is GDPR ready for AI? Well, GDPR is a modern piece of legislation, so it is agile, and it is not oven ready, but close to being fit for purpose compared to other legislation that would impact AI. If an AI system... We're not here to talk in detail about data protection, but if an AI system processes personal data, it will be subject to to um, GDPR if it involves decision-making about an individual. And that means that that decision will be subject to the core principles of fairness um, in GDPR and accountability, which means that the, the controller must demonstrate that the, the system is fair and acting fairly. So what that means in practice, in very broad terms, is that designers of the AI system will need to embed that concept of fairness into the AI system and will need to demonstrate uh, and be accountable for that, that process. So it's a huge challenge uh, given the nature of AI and the opaqueness of AI. Um, to do that. And I would imagine that it's going to be a joint venture between the developers on the one hand and, and the data protection specialists on the other hand to actually, to, to actually achieve that. So there's a lot, there's yeah. a lot to yeah. think about there. Yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if I, if I had to summarize the, the issues, well, I, I won't, I won't try and summarize them all, but I'd make the point that we're clearly from a, from a regulatory point of view, we're at the beginning of that regulatory yeah. journey. Um, and it's really a, a matter of uh, watching this space. But if I had to, for businesses, if I had to make one simple practical recommendation, it would be to uh, keep an asset register of all the AI that is that is being used in the business. Uh, and to, so to document that yes. in some kind of register um, and to identify what steps are being taken to to address some of the risks that I've talked about. 
Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Um, it's very interesting. Um, there's a lot going on, as you say, and I think you're absolutely right. We're going to have to kind of watch this space, aren't we, and see how it develops. Thank you Absolutely. very much.